Musi Qureshi. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm a partner in our banking practice at PwC, and that means that... Whoops. <laughs> I'll try that again. This one work. Try that one. Try number two. See if it works. Nope. No audio? Nope. So those... Testing. You okay? All right, let's try that one. Okay. <laughs> so as I was saying, um, as a partner in our banking practice, that means I have the privilege of working with a number of folks um, who are here as well as others, both incumbent banks, I'll say loosely using that word to cover everything from large global banks to the smallest community and regional banks, as well as many of the fintechs um, with whom we partner and with whom banks partner. Um, so it's been an interesting ride. Um, this is a very interesting time in our industry and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that because um, no conversation around transformation and innovation would be complete without talking about the ups and downs that banking is well known for, but more so in the last two months. I'm uh, Robin Smith. I'm Vice President of North America for Mambu. Uh, if you're not familiar with Mambu, we're a global company with over 250 customers globally uh, that we provide core data processing services to through our SaaS-based platform. I've been working uh, in North American financial services and specifically uh, banking software in North America for the last 30 plus years. And um, so looking forward to the conversation. Thank you very much. And it's, it's actually, you've, I mean, you've obviously seen a lot, and you've seen lots of different angles from this, and you've seen it from incumbents, you've seen it from fintechs, you've seen it from the neos. And we never really draw the distinction between what, what's neo, what's digital, what's banking license or not, but across all of them. Why are some getting it right and some getting it so wrong? And as I said earlier, Brendan was talking about the tech, Wendy was talking about the middle and the back, and I feel like that's something that spills over into what we want to talk about. Let me see. So I would say that there's uh, right and wrong, maybe a very black and white line to draw. But I, I do think that there are many who are succeeding. And maybe I'll start there on the positive, right? So what are folks doing well? Um, generally, those that I see on the uptick and doing things well are focused on the customer, the client, the end client, whether it's a commercial entity, whether it's a retail customer, um, whatever the case may be, focusing on the right segment down to a micro segment, thinking about the who are we going after, who are we serving, and doing that in a better way, I think, has made a big difference. So whether we talk about how they do that analytics, et cetera, we can talk about that later. But taking the client view in a different way, I think that's been really important. I think thinking about offerings, not in the traditional sense of products, right? But how do I bundle products together for the that right customer a need at the right time, I think is really important. Sometimes it's a combination of a service and a product, but thinking about the offering in new and different ways has been really important. And then the third thing, I think we can't ignore it, the technology. So those who are doing it right are doing all three of those, the who, the what they're offering, and then how they go about it. I think that's been, in my experience, what's made some people very successful. So from my perspective, I think you're absolutely right. It starts with focus. It starts with focusing on something very specific that has a very specific output and staying focused on that. So I look at uh, clients like one of our lenders that focuses on 
uh, small dollar business loans to women and minority owned small businesses, right? That's all they've done. They do it very well. They do it for credit under $2,000. They've built a book over 10 years of over $4 billion that they're managing. Um, and that's because they've stayed very focused on that niche, right? The technology is the how, right? It's how they're enabled to do that. Or you look at uh, folks that are trying to launch into new geographies from other areas. So um, attacking a particular population, attack's probably a bad word, uh, but, but pursuing a population like um, immigration. Uh, you know, if you look at North America, uh, if you look at the world, you know, there's about 73 million immigrants a year that are coming basically from three or four countries going to, you know, four or five countries in total. Uh, how do you address that population, right? What, what do you do to enable them to become part of the financial services environments that they're coming into? Because that's a very difficult thing for immigrants to be able to do. So I see a lot of companies starting to try and, you know, move towards those types of niches. But again, that's the focus and then leveraging the technologies that are available to be able to get there. I actually think you raise a really good point about focus because oftentimes folks will say, well, we're a big bank, we can't do what a startup or a fintech does because they focus on just one niche and that's all they serve. I would argue that yes, a lot of startups and fintechs have done that really well, but within sort of incumbent banks, if I could use that term, what we found, those who are doing it well, they will pick multiple of those niches, multiple segments, and focus within each of those. For segment one, who are we going after? What are we offering them? How are we gonna do that? Rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean you have to be small scale to focus. You can focus at scale. I think that's important. It's a very interesting point. And as you both were speaking, I was thinking of a very large UK bank. I was 30 million customer bank involved with. And we brought in to speak to them some of the ones that in, further in, the, U, in the, U, the US, like Kinley, which has now been absorbed, or Daylight, which has now been absorbed, <laughs> is working in its other way, to, to speak to them. And what the guys from the large bank were saying, no, we can't do this. We can only do it. We can't get buy-in. We can't get past the legacy systems. We can only do it if someone has the, the brave, you know, the courage to do it, the bravery to do it in one part of the bank. Is, is there, do, do people use the legacy system as an excuse or is there a real constraint from the legacy system? Is, is you know, what, what's underneath that? Because as you, I, I agree with you, I think you can actually do it. And, and some customer segments, so if I take the LGBTQ customer segment in the US, it is 30 million, which is the same customer size as this very large bank. So it's not so niche, but it's, you know, it's, it's seen to be a niche community with a, another entity behind it. So I wonder what the role of legacy is. So I'd answer that two ways, right? So if you ask a traditional financial institution, do they support small business lending to doctors and medical practices? Can they support that with their current technology? I think you'd be hard pressed to find any bank that couldn't support that type of lending activity, okay? But creating a model that focuses on that business, right, is outside of their traditional credit approval processes. It's yeah. outside of the things that they traditionally look at. So when you think about doctors that are trying to start a practice, start a family, buy a home, you know, they carry student debt for many years, but their ability to pay long-term is very high. And so what I see some institutions doing is looking at that niche and saying, okay, we can support it from a technology standpoint, but it's our internal processes and our internal mindset that has kept us from being able to build that as a business within the bank. 
And so I think that's what the bank has to challenge themselves with is the internal processes, the internal barriers, not the technology side. The technology, again, is just a way to enable it. Can you do it faster? Can you do it better? Can you do it more efficient? You know, can you retire legacy systems? Can you, you know, those are, those are tactical type things, but the business focus and the strategy comes first. Interesting, and then, uh, mostly back to you with on strategy, people, and as we said in the earlier panel, they rush in with the tech, they don't stop to look at the strategy, or they don't know why they're doing it, and get all the uh, people on board, speak to the culture of the organization, build the business case. So are you seeing it from the strategy perspective that people don't stop at that point first, but they do it the other way around? Um, I will say we've seen both. And so a lot of times we are having the dialogue about why start with as basic as what is the value proposition that you're offering, right? So strategy can have a very fluffy mm. tone to it, but it's getting to a really crisp understanding of why are we doing this? What are we going to do as a bank? Who do we want to offer to? Down to doing some customer analytics to say, is this a need for our, either our customers or our prospects? Then thinking about what is that offering look like, designing it. Um, I can't remember if it was Brendan or someone else saying, thinking about things differently and figuring out the offering for the client before you get to the solution. We'll get to the technology, we'll get to the solution for sure. But thinking about those things first, I think of all of that as the strategy, not just a, I'll call it a PowerPoint deck that sits on a shelf, but the strategy is figuring out the niche segments and having the data to support it and designing those, whatever they might be, the journeys, the experiences we want to deliver, all of that does come first, and many are doing that well. I will give credit where credit is due. Um, there are many banks who are down that path, it's, it's a new muscle, so like everything else, you have to exercise that muscle, and not everyone's there yet. And is it more challenging for smaller banks, or for the, who ha, is in some ways have a niche, sometimes a niche, or at least a captive, mm -hmm. uh, and, and a group of customers who trust them because they've known them, they've been in their community for a long time, but they don't have those big IT departments, and they, do, they don't necessarily have the experience of, of having gone out and done this before, or maybe they, maybe they do, maybe they have C-suite they've been bought in, Maybe more challenging. For so them? interestingly, I would say it's a very different um, problem set for smaller banks versus larger. But if I think of some of the community banks and regional banks that I've worked with and that I've met with, they are actually very eager and moving on this journey very quickly. Um, will often get called in by the C-suite or the board. And with that, you have executive buy-in from the get-go. You make decisions quickly. They're they know what their problems are, they know what their strengths are, and so we can make progress pretty quickly with some of the smaller banks, I'll say. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe they don't have all of the uh, capabilities in-house, so they'll partner with FinTechs. They'll look outside the bank for skills. Um, we've built some things at PwC in our sandbox as accelerators, so we'll showcase some of that, like here's some of the art of the possible. We're not trying to become a bank, um, but we've built in our industry cloud some accelerators that get people thinking about what can be done and how quickly it can be done. So even for smaller banks who might be ready to move, there are options. It doesn't have to all be wait a year to hire the right talent, you know, train them and then move. I think yeah, there's, there's been a lot, a lot of move. Yeah, and I think smaller banks have a lot of agility and they have a lot of nimbleness in terms of their ability to, and ideation, to be able to come up with ideas and, and that, they just don't have the scale. 
right? And the experience of dealing with large partnerships. You know, you look at, uh, I think one of the folks from Citizens that was here, right? The partnerships that they've developed with the likes of BJ's or Costco, right? And the ability to tap into that national network, right? From a buy now, pay later lending perspective. Um, you know, those are the types of things that, that the smaller institutions just don't have scale to accomplish. Um, and most of the fintechs they're working with don't have scale either, right? Uh, so you've got kind of the, 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 the perfect storm there of why they struggle. I don't think it's really because they don't have the ideas or the capabilities, but because they just don't have the balance sheets and the scale that large banks do. I did think it was very brave that someone was answering the startup question and partnering with the banks because, in my experience, you need to have some, not just be very, very nascent to be able to partner. I mean, essentially, fintechs are like an R&D department for banks, but it, it's, it's not an, always an easy fit if you haven't got the experience. I mean, you mentioned some of the other non-financial institutions as well. We're talking about, obviously, with our panel, the future and the future of innovation and digital banking. What, what do you think about the non-financial institutions? It's a lot of what we do uh, at Mambu. Uh, probably 50% of our customer base is represented by uh, non-banks, non-bank lenders, you know, fintech-type organizations. Um, I think you see innovation coming out of them. Um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Um, but um, you, know, you see things there because they, they look at the world differently. Um, we're, you, know, uh, you, know, you think about, I checked into the hotel yesterday, I didn't have any cash. Uh, needed to tip the valet or the bellman, right? Why don't you have a QR code sitting with them and tip them via QR code through a digital wallet, right? There are companies out there looking at that type of thing, right? That's what I think you're going to see within the fintech community is an, go an ongoing um, desire to hit those kinds of needs in the marketplace in unique ways. Uh, I think what's going to be interesting to see as they, as they continue to expand their footprint, as they continue to grow their businesses, how do they take those innovation ideas and move them into more traditional you know, financial services type offerings? And that's where I think um, you know, the traditional regulated banks have to be, you know, while they're aware of disintermediation and all the things that go on there, they have to be prepared to respond to that, right? Because that's, gonna, that's a customer experience focus that fintechs tend to bring to the equation uh, more so than a traditional bank does. Yeah, and the, the previous panel touched on uh, the funding side of, of fintechs as well, and, and Nigel Morris this morning at QED was mentioning this is what we all know has been difficult. But if they run out of runway, then they can't carry on, and there's always that... Um, the, there is a, there's a danger of if you start down the road of partnering with a large organization, you run out of runway, then what happens to what's left over? And it, you know now we're looking at working together, partnering, collaborating, acquiring, everything's on the table right now because of the current market situation. But I think you're right, there's still a need. I'm, for me, it's a, someone was teaching, I was with my brother yesterday, and the woman was teaching him how to put the card in with, or showing him how to put the card in with the code. I've been tapping to the, to the level of 100 pounds for, for a number of years yet, right? So you kind of see also what travels as well and the QR code. We've got it down to even homeless people being able to donate to homeless people or give them money by a QR code. Um, so it's, 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 there's a lot of activity and it, it all will travel. If, if the two of you were, were sitting here today, and again, we're talking about the future, to the fintech or to the incumbent, what would be you know, one, two pieces of advice you tell them as, as we look forward. Well, one thing I think that we've all learned over the last several years of COVID coming somewhat out of the COVID mm. pandemic, I, mean, mm. I say somewhat, um, is that there were a lot of needs 
um, around digital needs that became really apparent through that crisis. And I would say the inclination when in times of distress, and I think we can say the banking sector is going through a lot of stress, is to pull back. And I would say that is not the right move. I think we have to continue with the in innovation. We have to continue with the investments because many of these things take time. And if you invest now, we will eventually weather the storm and you know, interest rates will change and the focus of the regulators will continue. But I think despite all that, we have to continue with the investments and the innovation now so that we're ready for what's to come in the next three, five, 10 years. Um, in the US, as you alluded to, we're already behind in many ways. So there's a lot of opportunity and if we hold back now, and if 2023, 2024 becomes slow years, then I think we're just putting ourselves further back. And that's a conversation we're having with many banks about um, where to focus, where to focus, um, where to spend the time, energy investments now so that they yield the right ROI, the right benefits in a few years and not pulling back completely. Absolutely, and, and I'm sure, Ramnios, your point, you must see it in MENA and in Asia as well, so in, in, in other regions. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean, one thing that we, I think everybody I talk to, whether they're a fintech, a non-bank, a regulated bank, and we start talking about digital transformation or retiring legacy or you know any of the types of transformational technology projects that, that get taken on, everybody will bring up at some point in that dialogue talent, right? The need for talent. I've got talent leaving, I've got talent that I need to bring in if I'm gonna be able to do this program. but. We tend to think of talent in the same way we always have, which is, I'm gonna to talk to my people organization, I'm gonna to talk to my human resources organization, we need to recruit more talent, right? What I would contend is that we need to get outside of that norm, and we need to start doing things like becoming a part of the technology community that we live in, right? Because it's all around us, right? So you, I know one of Musi's uh, colleagues uh, is based in Charlotte. Uh, there's a huge FinTech community in Charlotte. Um, I'm in Central Florida. The University of Central Florida uh, is one of the is the largest university in the United States, um, and the fintech program that they've got in place there, right, and the talent that that's turning out, but also the exposure that gives you to other kinds of ideas uh, that are coming out of those schools of thought, I think is huge. So that you know, engaging in your community, engaging in the technology community that you live in, um, and tapping that community for not just human resources but for ideas, I think needs to happen more. It's very, it's interesting, isn't it? Because although it, there's, there's always been the, 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 well, up to this point, there's been, the, there's a lot of talent, talent was scarce, and then suddenly there was a lot of talent because people were letting a lot of people go, and people mentioned earlier what's happening with valuations and people leaving. But the other thing that people haven't always done is, is educate or re-educate or re-skill their own internal talent. And as you say, technology is all around us. So then maybe we should be also be looking to see what we can do inside, right? We're partnering with everyone. I, we have about seconds left, so I'm just looking to see if anything has come through. I can't see from the, in front of me if there are any questions. If the QR code hasn't worked or you haven't asked, if someone would like to ask a question before we finish this panel. I can't see at all because we're all blinded by the lights. <laughs> Let me know, <laughs> and you can ask your question. Someone else will have to tell me. No? Okay. That's, uh, my, 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 you know, I, 
I'm really interested to see where you both see what the future is because you're seeing it from two different aspects, but you're working together. And for me, it's the technology, it's the people, it's the culture, it's any obstacles that you put in your way or not, and understanding that there are business opportunities out there that, are, that you need to work a little bit at and justify to whoever's gonna make that decision before you find the, the technology to make it, make it happen. I'm very hopeful having spoken to both of you for the future. So thank you both very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you.